Okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma jaata wa sahla wa anta tajalul hazna idha shi'la sahla. Allahumma a'ina la dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. Ya Rabbi al-Kareem, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everybody. Hope you're all doing good. Is that my hat? I hope that the picture is okay. I hope that the sound is okay. Please confirm everything uh, because I am super conscious about everything. The speed is very poor. The Everything is super poor at the moment and I'm not sure how good everything is going to go down. And so once I know that you're happy with the, the video, that it's not cutting, that the sound is clear, etc., etc., I've got record on, which I think is important as well. Then let's see um, how uh, Shazad thinks that the sound is a bit muffly. Um, I don't know what to do about that because it is using, I think, uh, the... How can it be muffly, man? There's nothing to muffle it. Let me just lift it closer. Tell me if this makes a difference. Is that making a difference? Does this sound better? Tell me whether it's better. Shazad, I need to know from you is there's a difference from what you saw or what you heard first time compared to now. Once you confirm that it's okay. But you know what? I'm sure that this is going to hit my beard, I believe. I keep telling Shazad I need to reduce. This is too long. Look. What's this? Look. What's going on? See, this beard, this why it shouldn't be too long. Shazad better, yeah. I bet that it... Anyway, shalom. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, inshallah. Anyway, guys, hope you're all right. And I hope that this internet holds up. Honest to God, can I just say something? We're paying for like 70, up, up, um, 70 download and something else upload. You know how much we get? Three. Three. Upload and three download. Like what the actual fish? The, the, the corruption is crazy. No, no, no uh, recourse, by the way, for any complaints or whatever, whatnot. Malish, <laughs> Malish, Malish. Anyway, Auntie Shakila, if you say it's okay, then I'm happy. Nobody else matters. Not that Auntie Shakila, when I see you, yeah, online, wallahi, uksim billah, I become so happy. Uksim billah. Auntie Shakila, can you tell us how old you are at the moment? How young you are at the moment? Because some of these young guns, yani, yeah, who claim to be young, they need to be put in their place. Because you are never late, always present, always studying, always giving salams, always making me happy. And Shakila, please drop some of those young gun bombs. That's all I gotta say. Tis our 79 years young, beautiful, energetic, and amazing. May Allah bless and increase you. Allahumma ameen. All right. Guys, you guys are killing me here. You guys are killing me here because there's so much that we need to announce. Am I going to actually make everybody wait until the end? Shazad Salim? Shazad's Amir Saab, isn't it? So obviously he's got to be the one who makes that, that judgment call. Yeah? Uh, Shaz, now or later? By the way, the easiest decision in the world... No, sorry, the easiest prediction in the world is Shazad Salim that he's going to type on that thingy later. He's so 
miserable. Ras, everybody's like now doing now. So here's a problem. Here's a problem. Here's a problem. <laughs> this could go pear shaped, because all the people who are saying do it now, do it now, are all the sisters. Astaghfirullah <laughs> alazim. That's the problem. The second problem is that the majority of people who are listening to this right now are the sisters, because that's just the way it is. I want to say that this is what makes you sisters blessed, because you always want for others what you wish for yourselves. The sunnah, the true embodiment of this. <laughs> the true embodiment of the sunnah. Okay. I, I have honestly, uh, uh, listen, brother, sister, it doesn't matter. The truth is, is um, I have brilliant news. After 10 long, difficult years, we are returning this year with the PG retreat, um, reviving the sacred, uh, confirmed, ready to go launching inshallah tomorrow morning and um, it will be on the 6th of September running 7th and 8th and even the morning of the 9th for those who wish to stay it'll be myself it will be uh, Sheikh Ahsan Hanif and it will be Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar and basically like just uh, uh, be an amazing experience, inshallah. Looking, we're looking forward to it so much. I'm looking forward to it so much. The PG team are looking forward to it so much. Um, um, this one, obviously, taken a long time to come round for a number of reasons. The main reason is that we've been trying to accommodate ladies, and each time failing, and as a result of failing to be able to accommodate for the sisters we've decided to cancel it each time. So, um, and so it, we made the decision, I made the decision this year that we just have to go ahead and we can't just keep not, we can't keep depriving the brothers because we can't do it for the sisters. The sisters, there are sisters events and retreats and things like that. I believe there is one in, in July, by the way. I'm not sure, I will confirm. It's not something that I'm involved in myself personally. But, uh, you know, ladies would have to look for their events themselves. This is going to go ahead for the brothers. It feels weird saying that, but we, we are actually doing it. Um, and um, all the details will be released tonight, inshallah. Um, but the reason that we're announcing it now in three stages, okay, is to prioritize the folks that um, I think deserve the biggest chance of going because the places are limited the reason it's going to sell out in probably hours is because it's only 99 quid it's only 100 quid and i just want you to just think about this 100 quid that's including everything and the reason it's 100 quid is because pg is basically paying for it or a couple of people are paying for it basically uh, you know the majority of it so this is um the accommodation is in the lake district okay and it's like it's massive georgian house and um, it's with, you know, um, so all your accommodation, lodgings, this, that, whatever. We have the best food because we have our own chef and the chef is my favorite chef. And um, cooking all the way through. And there'll be about 100 of us, okay? And uh, they're over. And everything we've got Quran, we've got Tadabur. I see now I feel bad because obviously again it's literally all sisters, okay. So um, 
we'll do some study, we'll do some uh, adhkar, we'll be doing Qur'an, we'll be doing recitation, we'll be doing tadabbur, we'll be doing everything. Um, we'll also be doing some activities, some hiking, but we're also going to be doing a mega water sports thing as well. So there'll be some rowing and paddle boating and canoeing and this and that way. Bro, it's crazy. For all of this, like I, I was looking, you can't go and stay in some lame travel lodge for 99 quid a night. You've got three nights, three and a half days, and all of that is 99 pounds. As I said, the price is the least thing. It's going to be the, the places. And so we're doing it in three stages. So I want you to write this down. Prophetic, uh, Shaz put the, uh, the, the, I feel really bad because all the sisters here are the ones who actually want to go. Brothers are like, you know what, we do this every weekend anyway. Well, if you do, then you know what, good luck to you. For the sisters, all I can say is make dua that this is successful and that it goes easy and that we learn a way of being able to create the relationship with the provider that will allow us to do it for sisters as well. That's our intention. My we spend our intention every year. We've been wanting to do this all the time, by the way. Let's, jokes aside now, serious talk. Imagine how we've felt that we've decided. There are people here who know this, by the way. Like, um, without obviously knows, Jiva knows. All the, 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 the senior sisters, right, of LP, and those that are planning and part of PG, and Hajjwilayi, you know, the people who are like admin folks. Ask them. They all know how much we've tried, um, how much we've tried to make this happen. And because of logistics and problems and procedure and it's actually really difficult, yeah? And you know that I, actually most of my programs I have more women than men because I make it that easy for it to happen and I insist on it happening that they get better or equal access as much as possible. I don't need to prove my anything to anybody, by the way. I know that anyone, no, no one's saying anything seriously, but if I know people are not stepping to me, I know that much. But I know that we haven't been able to do it and that we've, every year we've therefore left the brothers out. It's a bit stupid I decision actually. I should have I should have never have done that. I should have gone ahead and done it each time with the brothers. If it is what it is and it is what it is. But I believe that this year we'll be able to, inshallah, with the venue especially, might be able to work out how to get it done next time with the sisters. So for the sisters, I'm telling you, make dua that it goes successful, that it goes easy and that this relationship works well. The next one, inshallah, will have the ladies involved uh, as well. Um, so I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident. Okay. Um, we need to get back in the game. It's been a long time. Ten years out of the game. Shaz done no cooking. Uh, AZ's done no cooking, no cleaning, no nothing. We've done no you know, waking up from a bunk bed for a long time. Uh, we need to get back into the system. Understand movement of people. Understand you know, any restrictions and, and you know this, that, whatever. To get it done proper. Because we are a, 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 a qudwa. We are a role model, and when you know we're taking men and women away, um, it's a very serious issue, a very serious issue, and you've got to do it absolutely right. Otherwise, huge fitna or facade on kibir. But anyway, inshallah, massive news. Anyway, listen, guys, guys, listen to me. The reason I'm announcing this now is that we want to prioritize the LP and the QP, actual students that attend every lesson. Then they're the ones that get the priority. Nobody else knows. It's not gone public, yeah? So, uh, Shaz put the link in right now. No, no, there's nothing to do about UK. There are plenty of people who are not coming. This is about sisters who can't come. It's not about UK. There are plenty of people that are coming outside. Shaz has put the link. Go to the link. Even if you're doing it in the lesson, you have my permission because it will sell out. You start filling it in and then uh, uh, think... Actually, it won't sell out. Sorry. There's only uh, uh, 90 people alive 
Oh, well, actually, that's what that YouTube is saying. So maybe it might be more, but it won't sell out. Sorry. So uh, you can wait until the end of the lesson. After about half an hour, then I'm going to post it in the uh, LP chat group. In the LP chat group, as you know, you've got many people who don't even study the class at all, don't even know what it is. They're just there for, you know, the fun and games of it or Q&A <laughs> sessions. But you've got the folks who are, uh, uh, you know, especially the out of the UK folks that are listening and are part of the class but can't make it live. So they deserve the second shot at it. Tomorrow morning, then, it will go to the wider PG family. So it's four steps, beg your pardon. That will be via email and the Telegram channel as well. Then maybe tomorrow or the day after, it will go public on social media, if it's not already full by then. Okay? So the folks, the males, or the ladies here that have got males that they want to send, you've now got the first shot. Take advantage. You know, I was chatting to Shaz earlier on. SubhanAllah, when you look at 2014 and identify the people that were there, not only a small group of people, three quarters of the people that attended, all of them were not involved in Islamic activities in any kind of serious responsibility or leadership or authority position. Since then, six are leaders or owners or trustees of masajid and Islamic centers. Um, some of them are some of our top LP students. Uh, uh, Ibrahim, for example, Ibrahim Khani, and he, what did he do? He, he then went and started Islamic Finance Guru. All of these I'm involved in, all these projects, helping, mentoring, advising, in contact. I just want you to know that if there are people that want to dream big and plan big and aim big, this is the way that it is done. By investing time with these folks, and I will do that, inshallah, for the sisters as well. One day, soon. All right? So, uh, prophetic guidance org slash retreat it is only booked now it's confirmed it's done you either get your place right now by filling in the form and it's first come first served simple as that all right folks basically for free 99 flipping quid what can you do for 99 quid 99 quid is what it costs you for my my one week and it just buy my uh, drinks for one week right alhamdulillah other than that there's so many announcements that there'll be no lesson if we go into them so i'm going to send out a big digest uh tomorrow Fiqh of death needs to be spread everywhere. Only two weeks left before that is gone. And in these two weeks, we've got a load of webinars. You all need to attend the webinars as well. Because even if some, for some reason folks don't want to take the class um, or whatever, if you can't afford the class, tell people you can't afford it. But you've got to buy the class. Yeah, if you can't afford it, they do. They hook people up. I'm sure they do. Right? Don't let money be a uh, thing. Then you've got the public webinars that have got nothing to do with the, the purchasing of the class. They start tomorrow. Okay, UK, 8 p.m. time, 3 p.m. EST. We've got the Fiqh of Zakat starting. And the other big news is the website, Hajj with A website, has a whole lot of programs that have gone live, live, hardcore, like so madness yani, happening this year. Lots of different things, other things as well. But I've been busy, man. So I've not had time and opportunity. All right, guys, we are done. We are done. All right. And as I said, from the UK folks, uh, non-UK folks, September 6th, 7th and 8th and 9th is post the, part, the peak season. There are some very cheap flights that are available. And even with your flight cost, it's still cheaper than what you would normally pay for a getaway for a weekend. 100%. 100%. You know what it is? Alhamdulillah, that's what I'll say. Right. We are, ladies and gentlemen... It might be an ill summit this year, but we're talking thousands as opposed to, you know, 99 quid. Okay? Um, I don't know if that would happen or not, but, you know. Let's have a look at the notes then, huh? 
because Salim has put the notes there in my laptop, unlike his Bakwas one, yeah? I just do right click and then that's it. All right. Bab Salat al Jumu'ah, chapter the Friday prayer. Yeah, let's read the text together, guys. Telzamu kulla dhakarin hurrin mukallafin muslimin mustawtinin bibinaen ismuhu wahid walau tafarraqa. ليس بينه وبين المسجد أكثر من فرسخ ولا تجب على مسافر سفر قصر ولا عبد وامرأة I don't think we're getting past there. I read all the text out last week, so that's enough for now. The Friday prayer is obligatory on every free, legally responsible, resident male living in a built-up area that is known by a single name, even if it is divided in parts. As long as the mosque outside of this area is not further than a farsakh. It is not obligatory upon a traveller who has the right of shortening his prayers, neither upon a slave nor a woman. That's a nice translation, that, mashallah. Is that corrected translation, Amesa? Is that the corrected one? That reads so well. Mashallah, excellent. By the way, I'm sorry, I didn't even say so. Walaikum salam to all of the people who have seen Fahad, Widad, Alina. And Hajra, and I've just got to say shout out to by Aisha. She's in the house, Miskina, so early over there in the Philippines. Massive shout there to the twins, then America. We've got all of Mashallah to everybody. Allah Mubarak. Allah Mubarak. Daniel from Europe, Mashallah. Excellent. Right. I didn't send you the corrected version. You don't need to send me, I'm reading it from Shazad's link. So is Shazad link the right one then, yeah? Uh, so, okay, okay, now that everybody, yeah, all right, remember by the way, if you're going to, I can't do manager, I've got no one to help me, and so therefore, um, what that means is that uh, you do need to use the question button if you want to get questions, I, it's difficult for me to do it all by myself, all right folks, and it's late here, you know, it's late here in Cairo and everyone's gone to sleep and everyone's upset because this is so late. But anyway, the class goes on. The class goes on because that's how it is. We're on uh, page 10 of volume 5 of Sharh al-Mumti' ala Zad al-Mustaqni'. Such a nice volume, you know, very nice. Look. Thank God I remembered to bring it, by the way. That could have happened. Um, so... We covered, you know, quite a lot last lesson. We covered Yani Hur and Mukallaf and Muslim and everything. And we paused right at the bottom of page 10 on the fifth condition that the, that the fifth prerequisite upon whom the Jum'ah is obligatory. Yeah? Who is that? Why is it five? Let's understand here. Muslim? Yeah? No. Male? That's one. And free, that's two. Yeah? And then mukallaf, that's three. Muslim, kind of assumed anyway, that's four. Fifth is that he is a resident. Mustaltin. Mustaltin. Now, again, I use the word resident in the, 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 the uh, translation. And we're kind of stuck. We still haven't... I honestly... I wanted to, in the translation, put citizen. But I don't think citizen is, is, is permanent enough. 
Didn't we have this debate like a couple of months ago? Did we not agree on a word for Mustaldin? Yeah, and what I want to try and say, what I, want, what I want to try and say is that you need to remember these three phrases, yeah, these three states. The musafir is the traveler, and even the musafir is 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 in two states, sub-states, in the paused as the musafir, stops for a couple of hours, and that who's actually in the you know the throw of the journey, like right in the middle of the journey, journeying, traveling. So there's a traveler and someone who is traveling as a traveler. Yeah, that's a sub-condition. But anyway, so the first category is musafir. The opposite of the musafir is the mustawtim. And then the guy in the middle is the muqim. The muqim is the one who is in a state of qiyam. He has a iqama. And iqama in the Arab world is what we refer to as a visa, and it's always temporary. When we say iqama, it means that he has the right of temporary residence. Problem is, is that in English, we don't normally have that kind of, maybe. This is what I was hoping that we, we, we fixed, but I don't think anybody fixed this. We had a big debate on it. I don't think that, you know, that we came to a conclusion. Because who is the... Opposite, opposite of the traveller, it's the one who is Mustaltin. He's a national passport holder, lives there, dies there, no intention to go anywhere. He's a proper, proper, you know, Mustaltin. Yeah? Mustaltin means, come from istafa'ala, the one who has taken something, sought something, you know? And what has he sought? He sought a watan. He has, he has taken this abode as his watan, as his nationality and his nation and his abode and permanent residence and everything so this is who we are speaking about okay so you say what's wrong with the word resident resident just means someone who lives there now you'll say well, yeah well that's what you're describing someone who lives there okay then so what's the, what does muqim mean then okay here we go thank you labib i'm sitting there thinking is everybody on sleep and only yani labib helps jazakallah khair Muqim, resident, the one who does iqama. And I've got resident there because I didn't like it. Yeah? When we say muqim, we basically talk about someone who has settled and established. The problem with the English is when we say resident, this does not indicate the meaning of muqim. It's actually better to translate this as the non-traveller. Yeah. The permanent resident, the one who establishes himself, etc. Citizen, national, passport holder, mustaltin, someone who takes the land as his watan. Exactly what I'm saying right now, it's like as if I'm speaking again. In fiqh, we recognize musafir and mustawtin as opposites. Therefore, the true resident citizen is the mustawtin, and the muqim is the transient state, the person who has to come to stay in the area for a temporary time. A temporary time, ladies and gentlemen, which is not temporary enough to remove his state of... Yani, temporary... In that, not long enough to become a, uh, uh, a permanent resident, but long enough to remove the suffer from him, the state of traveling, the permission to do qasr. Now, according to the Hanabila and some of the scholars, that's four days. And so, therefore, a person who comes to stay for, for a year, according to Ibn Uthameen and other people, he is a muqim and not a mustaltin if he has an intention to leave after a year. So if a person, a foreign student, so he's always speaking about foreign students. If a foreign student comes, 
like you know, work permit holders, student visa holders, these are definitely muqim people. They are going to return, <laughs> they said, yeah, after their student visa runs out and their work permit runs out. Of course, it becomes more complicated when you look at the true reality behind the holders of these or the majority of the holders of these. They've already made a plan of what's going to happen. They've got this as a first stage, but they're planning to do either a black marriage or they're trying to do X or they're not going to go. They're going to go in the dark. They're going to whatever. person who's staying, staying by hook or by crook, this person's got to be, even if he doesn't have the papers, for me, he's a more stolen. It's all a black, isn't it? Yeah? So, but if there's a legitimate foreign student who's from the government on a visa, for example, and Saudi used to send these people out all the time, and later on, Sheikh's going to speak about a person. He goes, I don't care if he goes three years, five years, six years, or ten years. Imagine. He goes, that person is not to establish Jumu'ah if he's in an area of the non-Muslims where there's no other Muslims there. Because he's not a Mustaltan. Because he has not applied for citizenship, and he's never going to be seen as one of the locals and whatever. And that's true. He'll always be seen as a foreigner or foreign student and X, Y, Z. Always going to be seen as an outsider. And so the Sharia is like, okay, well, if you're going to treat me like an outsider, we're going to act like an outsider as well. That's fair enough, isn't it? Right? There's, a, there, there's an angle there. There's a, there's a point there, and I think that we've got to give that some uh, you know, importance. I do like yani, the, the fiqh behind this. It's just that it's a little bit difficult to swallow. But we'll come to, we, 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 you know, we're going to speak about it uh, through the evidences in a minute. But we just want to make sure that everybody understands these words. The musafir, the muqim, the mustaltin. The musafir is the one who you know, has absolutely zero intention, who's passing through. And the opposite is the guy who's permanent living there. Whereas the muqim could be someone who's there for a year, could be there for two years, could be there for a few weeks. He's comfortable, might even be like, you know, staying in a hotel or maybe at his friend's house or maybe even a flat that he's kind of, you know, rented and he's feeling very comfortable, but he has no intention of hanging around, tourist or whatever, or maybe on a tour, maybe on a whatever, work. So uh, that's, uh, I, these are the three people. So all these questions are not important at the moment. We're going to cover those. But it's important for you to understand these three people are different. Okay? So what has Sheikh Uthameen said? What does Imam al-Hajjal, what does the Hanbali school say? The Hanbali school says that the third, the fifth condition or prerequisite for Jum'ah to be obligated upon a person is that they have to be mustaltin and therefore by definition that means it is not obligated upon a musafir or a muqim and that's what we're going to cover right now so sheikh says at the top at the bottom of page 10 let's go through he goes so therefore the juma is not obligatory upon the musafir what's the evidence for that the prophet وسلم, he went on so many journeys and not a single time in all of those narrations, in all of those occasions and events, despite them being detailed and narrated about from the companions, and each time, many of the companions were with him. More than 40, more than 100, lots and lots. So all the conditions are there for Jumu'ah to be established. Never did he establish the Jumu'ah. What if someone says, well, hold on. Is it not just possible that, you know, that, it, that, that he, he did it? We just don't know that he didn't do it. The fact that he didn't, the fact that we have no narration to say that he did not do it does not mean it didn't happen. It just means that someone didn't narrate it. Okay? This is the uh, argument. Okay? Now, and that could be theoretically possible. How do we respond to it? Sheikh says at the top of page 11, we respond from two angles. The first angle is that we actually have a definitive text that proves to us that he didn't do it. Because the Prophet ﷺ, on the day of Arafah, which was the, 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 the one and only Hajj that he did, the farewell Hajj, 
yeah, was the day of Jumu'ah, and we know that. And uh, uh, and it was the day of Arafah, and the Prophet وسلم, um, in Sahih Muslim from the Hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah, radiallahu anhu, he said that the Prophet وسلم, that once they got to the the near Masjid Nimra, the area of Nimra, uh, the the uh, just before, just before uh, Jabal Rahma in the area of Arafah, in the valley, when they arrived there on the day of Arafah, the Prophet ﷺ put everything down, got off his camel, everybody got off, they put their goods down, they basically rocked up, as we say, they rocked up, they settled the Ani there for a second. And the Prophet ﷺ started to address the people. فَخَطَبَ nas, And he started giving the khutbah. ثُمَّ بَعْدَ الْخُطْبَةِ أَذَّنَ بِلَالِ Then after the khutbah, Bilal gave the adhan. This is Jabir speaking. This is a very famous hadith, of course. The most famous hadith in fiqh when it comes to the hajj. The hadith of Jabir is called huge long hadith. Books have been written about just this hadith. And I was meant to be translating the book of it, the, the, translate, the, the commentary to Ibn Taymiyyah, subhanAllah, may Allah give me tawfiq to do that. I really want to do it before I die, man. Because it's an incredible piece of work. Um, it's not even big. Jabir said that, the, uh, the, that Bilal gave the adhan, iqama was given, and he led us in Salatul Dhuhr. Then the iqama was given, and he led us in Salatul Asr. Sheikh Uthameen, uh, this hadith is narrated by, by Imam Muslim in his Sahih 1218. Sheikh Uthameen says, Note the following. Number one, this is, this is completely different from the Jum'ah prayer. This is not the Jum'ah prayer. The Prophet did not establish the Jum'ah on this Friday afternoon, even though it was the right time to, the right opportunity to, good reason to, hundreds of people there, thousands of people, everything yani, sets it up. But it wasn't. And it was different from Jumu'ah because in Salatul Jumu'ah, the khutbah is given after the adhan, whereas in the Hajj the, 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 on this on this occasion, the Prophet ﷺ gave it before the adhan. Number two, that the Salatul Jumu'ah you give two khutbahs, but the Hadith Jabir only mentions one sermon, one khutbah. Okay, number two, number three. When you pray Salatul Jum'ah, you recite out loud. However, Jabir said that the uh, he did he, Jabir did not mention that it was recited out loud. He did not say it was recited out loud. And then, in addition to that, he said he prayed Zuhr. Then he made Iqama and prayed Asr. So that comp- that confirms that point. Number four. Jum'ah is always called Jum'ah. It doesn't have another name. Dhuhr is called Dhuhr and the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed Dhuhr because Jabir said he prayed Dhuhr. Number five, Jum'ah does not have Asr combined to it. And the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed combined Dhuhr and Asr, never seen before with Jum'ah ever. And in addition, Jabir said, pray Dhuhr, then he prayed Asr. Sheikh says this is an absolute clear definitive text, absolutely clear that, that there were so many people, it could have happened. Everyone yani, could have uh, 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 you know, uh, said that and they could have gone back and said that you know, this happened, that happened, whatever. No, they all made it very clear. They all prayed Dhuhr with the Prophet ﷺ. And this makes it clear that the Musafir, as they were all 
they were all musafirin, okay? They do not pray Jumu'ah. So this is the first response. The second angle of response is, if the Prophet ﷺ would pray Jumu'ah in his journeys, that if this was something that used to happen, right? Like, you know what, as the person said, you know, maybe he did pray the Jumu'ah, but we just don't know. We don't know every single journey what he did. And Sheikh Al-Tamin says, well, the second response is, is that if this was true, there would be so much narration about it. So much. If he actually did that, it would be a big thing. Imagine all of the small details that we have about the small things. The intrinsic details that we have about small things. You don't think any of the big, big, big issues would be any noted? Um, and if it was obligatory, the Prophet would have prayed it. And it would have to be noted and stated and narrated. It's not. And even if the prayer was not obligatory and it was just permissible, he would have prayed it. Okay? Therefore, Shaykh Uthameen says, these are my two responses, and I therefore rule the following, that if a musafir, check this statement out, establishes the Jum'ah prayer and prays Jum'ah whilst traveling, then his prayer is invalidated and he must repeat it as dhuhr to raka'ah because he is not from the people who can pray Jum'ah. Now you might be thinking, oh my God, how many times have I done that? Pause, okay guys? I know that you're all running to jump me. I said that we're going to answer all these issues. This is not referring to a person who's praying Jum'ah with other people in their town. We're talking about a guy, for example, or a couple of people who are in the desert or on the road and it's time for Salah and they stop, they go, guys, let's establish Jum'ah. Okay? Like the middle of like Route 101 or whatever. They're in the middle of between interstate. They're in the middle of motorway in the UK. They're in the desert from going from Cairo to Skandaria. Wherever they are, they're on the way as a group, however many the group are, they're all musafirin. And along the way, they're basically, you know, it's Zuhr time, they stop, they say, let's pray Jum'ah. Prayer is invalidated. This is not just the opinion of uh, Sheikh Uthameen, this is the opinion of Sheikh Muhammad Shankiti, this is the opinion of many scholars. Why? These are proper musafirin in the actual state of Safar, and they pause, and it is not legislated for this group of people in this state to be praying the Jum'ah prayer, and I agree. This is not referring to they stopped at a masjid where they were praying. No. I'm being very clear. There's no masjid, no Muslims, no nothing. And you guys stopped, made your own jama'ah by your own self and said we're going to do jama'ah. Well, listen, you've had, you give us a reminder. You're a religious guy. You put your foot forward. Blah, 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 blah. Batil. All right? What if a person says, the Prophet ﷺ leaving jama'ah in his journeys does not indicate necessarily that it's not legislated. It could be legislated and he left it. That's what a person could logically argue, right? It could be legislated, it could be something which is permissible, but you leave it, right? Oh, Chaudhary, wa alaikum salam. Good to see you on time as usual, bro. We want to break that sunnah. Right. Um, what would the response to that be? Sheikh says, no. <laughs> Actually, if it was legislated, then it would be an act of ibadah. If it was legislated, it's an act of ibadah. It's not like just some kind of random thing. It's, an, it's, a, it's a prayer, it's an act of worship. And it's not just a random act of worship. This is the Jum'ah prayer, which we already know about. So if the Jum'ah prayer was legislated, it's an obligation to pray. It's not like some game or joke. So it would have to be done. And it's not possible for the Prophet to leave an obligation. فَإِذَا كَانَ سَبَبَ الْفَعْلِ مَوْجُودًا 
ولم يفعل الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم ذلك if and therefore this is an important qaida maxim fiqhi principle that Hamza is going to put for us in the PG group in about three years time <laughs> that is that is that if the reason or the possibility for an action is present and the Prophet ﷺ does not do it and then a person does it, this is a bid'ah. That's the definition of a bid'ah. If the possibility of, the opportunity to, and the reason to perform a certain act was present at the time of the Prophet ﷺ and he does not do it and then a person today comes and does it, this is the dictionary definition of bid'ah, innovation, blameworthy, haram, in the bin. In the hellfire, as the Prophet ﷺ said. The Prophet ﷺ said, Man amil amil and Whoever does an action that's not from our actions, then it is rejected. Okay? He goes, this is a very beneficial maxim for the student of knowledge. Every single thing that the reason to perform it was present in the era of the Messenger and he did not do it, then to worship via it or to do it today, it becomes bid'ah. That's why praying in a car, sunnah prayers, is not bid'ah because it didn't exist at the time of the Prophet. And also, it's not bid'ah because it's a direct yes of the Prophet ﷺ praying on a camel anyway. I can't think of other examples, but I'm sure that you understand the argument. And it doesn't fulfill the purpose, of course. Yeah, and logically, it doesn't even make any sense, frankly. But anyway. The Prophet Sheikh So he goes, now just look at this Jumu'ah. You don't think that was possible to pray in the journeys of the Prophet ﷺ? He was traveling many Fridays. Or he was caught in his travels with a Friday there, right? He wouldn't set off on a Friday at Jumu'ah time, but he might be, you know, traveling and Jumu'ah comes and he didn't do it. So the reason was there and he didn't do it, which is clear, therefore, that you're not meant to do it. So if a person says, if you do it, then you have differed with the Messenger of Allah and it is a rejected action. As for the traveler, that is traveling through a town, a city, an area where the Muslims have established Jumu'ah. Now, this is a different situation. So if a person, you know, he's, you know, he's gone down the motorway and he enters into the town 12 o'clock on a Friday and he goes in, he goes, you know, I'm going to chill a bit, rest a bit, you know, it's a bit hot now, I'm going to get a, a quick nap, um, I'm going to get a munch. And they start establishing the Jum'ah because the, 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 the locals and, you know, they, 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 they're doing the normal Jum'ah. Then, look at this, فَإِنَّهَا You are obligated, the Musafir, obligated to offer the Jum'ah prayer. If you are just pausing to take a drink and going, that's something else. But if you are like... No, I'm going to stay here for a couple of hours. I'm going to get a drink. I'm going to travel after Dhuhr time. I want to pray Dhuhr, basically. I want to rest for Dhuhr. I want to pray at normal, calm. There is no Dhuhr because they're praying Jum'ah. You have to pray. Have to pray Jum'ah. Obligates upon them, Shaykh Uthameen said. Others didn't obligate, but he is of the opinion that it's obligatory. And this is because of the general statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most high, Ya, 
or you who believe that they know the Al-Surat when you want to I will the and when you hear the call the, to the prayer on the day of Friday, first hour, and then rush to the remembrance of Allah and leave off your trade. Surah Al-Jum'ah, verse 9. This is general. It means it applies to everybody. ولم نعلم أن الصحابة الذين يفدون على الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم ويبقون إلى الجمعة يتركون صلاة الجمعة and we have not seen that all those that envoys and all those people that came to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم visiting him and you know whatever or visiting of any sort for any reason and they remained until Friday so they're not from Medina they come from Mecca from Ta'if from the surrounding areas and they've come to visit and they're getting off again but they've been caught up there on the Jum'ah, whether it's the X day or the Y day, but they're not meant to be there, they're not from the residence. It has never been narrated that they did not pray Jum'ah with the Prophet So this is an additional kind of um, evidence. Alright? What seems to be clear is that all of them prayed with the Prophet the Jum'ah prayer. Therefore, we as well, if we pause and we're hanging around or we've come to a town or we've done, we're, we're there for work or business or whatever, even as a traveler, then you need to establish the Jum'ah prayer. As for the Zahiriya and a few others amongst them, the Zahiriya, the literalists, in al-Musafira, uh, 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 that the Musafir has to pray the Jum'ah regardless of where he is, regardless if the Muslims are praying it or not. Got to make it yani, uh, on the way, etc., etc. What, what was their evidence? They said the general evidences, okay? Uh, that the, the ayah that said before, it didn't mention whether that's for musafir, non-musafir, etc., etc. It means everybody, and there's no exceptions. And they would respond to the hadith of the Arafah, and they would say that, well, this was hajj, and it was an exception, yeah? And they would say to the evidences where there's no evidence of anything happening, they'd say the same thing that, that the other people would say, that the lack of evidence does not mean that it's an absolute... Uh, thing. Anyway, Sheikh says that we've already responded to this point. We, the evidence is make it clear that the Prophet ﷺ did not do it, and then that is done. I think I'm pretty positive that all these questions are going to be answered, um, and make sure that at the end of the class to ask them again if they are not answered in the next 10 20 minutes. So, Sheikh Uthameen said at the top of page 13, so therefore we can say that the Musafir, there's no Jum'ah upon him. And he says something really interesting, this is important. As for the muqim, see I'm going to say resident, but that's not the right word, is it? But the guy in, the, in, the, in between. The guy in between. Shaz, by the way, I press record button. Can you see the red one? So just remind me to send you that afterwards. <laughs> the internet will allow me to send it. Um, so the... Um, and podcast people, make sure that you make a comment and you know whether you like the quality of this recording or not as well. That's important because that saves a headache. You know, the other recording machine, which I didn't bring anyway. I had no space in my luggage. Um, he says that not just the musafir, the Jum'ah is not obligatory upon him, but the muqim either. Only the mustawtin, right? So therefore, what he's saying is that if there is a muqim in an area, so there's, he's not musafir. So he's not like just going to pop in for 10-20 minutes and then get off or a couple of hours get off this is a guy who's come to an area for two weeks or a one month I want to say or a year even a year even a year even no Jum'ah upon him if he's in an area where there are no Muslims and there's no Jum'ah so technically speaking there's no Jum'ah for the Musafir or the Muqim the only time there is a Jum'ah is upon the Mustaltineen, those people who are an established citizens and they've set up shop and they're living there and they've created a community and that community is big enough to handle a Jum'ah. That's how you should think about Jum'ah. 
All right. So Sheikh says no Jumaa for Musafir or the Muqim. Lakin in Aqamaha al Mustawtinun, but if citizens of the area that they've come to as the Musafir or as the Muqim temporary resident or the foreign student, whatever, fil Balad in the city or the town or the village or the area that they're in and the locals establish it, it becomes obligatory upon the Musafir and the Muqim, not intrinsically because of their own states, because they are Musafir and Muqim, but because of Bighirihi, because of the others. It became obligatory because they spread the obligation to them. The obligation became activated, like if there's one of them or two of them, Juma wouldn't happen anyway. But when it gets to 40, click, bang, activated. When the activation starts, it then spreads to everybody. The Muqim people and the Musafir people, they've got to pray as well. I hope that makes sense. We're going to come to this whole activation thing in a minute. All right? Uh, and Sheikh wants to elaborate. He goes, by the way, when I say that it became obligatory because of others, not them, what that means is that that they are not to be included in the numbers of people that make it obligatory. If we said 40, for example, and there's 38 Mustaltineen and there's one Muqim, one Musafir, it didn't become obligatory because they are not the two people that add to 40. It's still 38 and two people who can't be used. But if it was 40 people, then that's something different, right? 40 Mustaltineen. So they are not the ones who establish that prayer as others that uh, establish it. So therefore, Sheikh says, so based upon all of our discussions, we can now make it clear again that there are three types of people. There's the Mustaltin, there's the Musafir, and there's the Muqim. The Muqim is a guy who's neither Musafir, neither Mustaltin. See, that's the problem. In translation, Arabic makes it very clear that you have the traveler, and you have the resident, and you have the guy in the middle who's neither a traveler, neither a resident. That's it. Mustaltin is a resident. Musafir is a traveler. Muqim, neither traveler, neither resident. Someone help me and give me a word. You're never going to be able to find that word. Good luck. Sheikh, let's go for a worked example, case-based example. He goes, there's a person that arrives into a city and he wants to stay here for longer than four days. So because he wants to stay longer than four days, you know, however long, he has no intention to take it as his country or become a citizen. Neither is he allowed to. He has a time-restricted visa. So he is not a Mustalpan. Okay, because he has not taken this balad watana. He has not taken this city or area as his town. And he's not a musafir because he's staying for longer than the safar period allows him to make qasar. So if he's staying for longer and he knows I'm staying here for now weeks and weeks and I'm very comfortable, Airbnb, I've got everything and I'm all sorted, then from day one he's going to pray full prayers. He can't make qasar. We spent the last couple of months doing that, right? And so he's not musafir because he has indicated that he, he has made the intention to stay and he has lost his suffer privilege and he is a muqeem. I don't know idea. Temporary resident, yeah. If the Jumu'ah is established in this city or town by people who are mustaltineen, he must attend it. If the Jumu'ah is not established in this town or city, he is not necessitated or not obligated to attend it. According to this, therefore, if there were a group of Muslims that traveled to the non-Muslim lands, a hundred of them, and they want to stay to study, five years, six years, ten years, the Jumu'ah is not obligated, obligated upon them, 
not only is it not obligated upon them, it is not valid from them even if they were to pray Jumu'ah. Because you must be a native citizen, permanent resident. You must have al-istidhan. You must have al-istidhan. Okay? So, but these are not mustaltineen. These people are not. They're foreign students. They have no intention. They're not taking out anything. Now, this, this statement obviously caused a lot of controversy. I used to remember about 20, 25 years ago. You know, the amount of foreign students, especially Saudi students, has reduced a lot in Manchester. But back in the day when I was studying, um, and I was doing my memorization, because I used to do it with some of these Saudi students and stuff, back into the 90s, there were big influx. And then, subhanAllah, after 2001, actually, it increased. There was a peak as well in the early 2000s because the Americans, they just went hardcore anti-Saudi. That's, of course, where everything then changed in the UK, by the way, from a money's point of view, right? Islamic finance took off because the Saudis and, and the Arabs all diverted their money out of America, where they were just, you know, they kept getting seized and stuff, yeah, because of 9-11. And they just directed it to the UK. And the UK, where London was like, yes, salam, started you know, tripling the prices of everything. You know, useless sand money, come then, we'll take it. And the pressure was then put on Gordon Brown at that, the time, at that time to make things more favorable for investments. And that we, you, we, we, the Muslim community, leveraged off of that and were allowed to get a change in the law of double stamp duty, removed it, and that was the birth of Islamic finance in the West. How about that? Hmm? It's very interesting, very interesting, Yanni, when you see the movements of certain people. So... Um, but it's not that simple because I remember that at that time a number of scholars disagreed with this And so there were a number of students that would not pray Jumu'ah okay? But this is not relevant so much in Manchester But they were re relevant for those that were studying in like you know, some of the, the random areas And there wasn't strong Muslim communities there So for them this became re relevant Not re so relevant for Manchester because we were establishing Jumu'ah left, right and centre In fact most of our khatibs yani, were Saudi uh, foreign students because in University of Manchester, massive yani, gatherings, hundreds and hundreds of people, and Jumu'ah uh, 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 was established. So again, we're talking about uh, the, the Mustaltinim being an area where they're not. And what is Sheikh Uthameen speaking about? A hundred people who are in a non-Muslim land with no Muslims there whatsoever. Okay, he goes there, is, and it's not permissible for them to establish it either. Okay, All right, and. Um, but if they were to come across a village or an area Or they were in a village where there is 40 Muslims They must pray the Jumu'ah 100% Not because of who they are But because of who they are And what they've done And this is basically the, the, the summation and the conclusion of the Hanbali school And that is it So he goes What's interesting Sheikh Uthi makes a little comment He goes What you realise though with the problem with this and something He goes that If you look at this though The word musafir For those people that make yani, some claims And that, that you know this person can't be considered from the number The musafir can't be one of the they Can't be one of the 40 people etc On one hand you're saying the musafir Okay Is a musafir from a certain angle And from another side you're saying He's not a musafir from a certain angle So for example Okay so for example, if there is a musafir, I want you to now look at the scenario, alright? If there is a musafir who comes, this is a traveller, and he is staying for 
three weeks. We know that he's not a Musta'atin, okay? He is a, let's have a look now, a discussion here, okay? Wanderer is not going to help us. Temporary resident, this allows you certain privileges registering with GP. Yeah, it, it, it is a temporary resident, isn't it? That's the word I use so far in, in whatever. Dweller, inhabitant, denizen. Now, these all kind of, I don't know. It, it, it seems like, you know, you know. Hadith says that when the first generations came over to UK, they, their intent was always to return. Was it though? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But does this mean, by the way, the Ahnaf differ, there's a difference in the Madahib amongst this, but this is the position of the majority. Okay? Again, don't think of the MSAs full of international students because those are Muslims that are over 40 people that are resident in these areas that are establishing Jum'ah. Don't mix the, the thing. Tourist doesn't work at all, by the way. Yeah. I don't think tourist works. Temporary resident is, is, the, is, the, is the phrase that we need to go with. Okay? All right? Now, uh, where are we? So, now imagine this Musafir. Sheikh wants to point out a little contradiction in the Hanbali understanding and actually other madhahib as well. He says that if a musafir is to come to an area of the Muslims, yeah, like Manchester, Saudi, he's come for one month, very comfortable. The Hanbali say he cannot do qasr. Okay, we agree with that. He has to pray full. Agreed? All right. At the same time, they do not give him the full. So they don't give him the full concessions of Safar, which is Qasr. They said, no, you can't show on the prayer, you've got to pray the prayer full because you've lost that state because you're staying for over four days. But they said that you cannot be the Imam for Jum'ah and you can't be the Khatib either. Why not? Because you're Musafir. Wait a minute, you just said to me, I'm not Musafir. I can't do Qasr. I've got to pray all my prayers in full. And now you're saying in the same breath, I can't lead the prayer and I can't be a khatib, and I can't get involved in the numbers to establish Jum'ah as well. Why is that? Because you're Musafir, bro. So Sheikh says, this is a contradiction. Had a tanaqud. Okay? Uh, and you're also saying that if the Jum'ah is established in that area, I've got a prayer as well. But I don't count towards the people. You get the point? Therefore, says that therefore the correct opinion and the preponderant opinion and my opinion and the class position as well. That actually the musafir does not lose his suffer rights or concession. He doesn't. He is a musafir for as long as he feels like he is a musafir. And he... And it is permissible for him to be the imam. And it is permissible for him to be the khatib. And he is also allowed to become one of the people by which Jum'ah can be established. I.e. if there were 39 Muslim local students in the university and he came and he became the 40th it became obligatory because of him being one of the people of the Jum'ah, even though in principle he shouldn't be. Why? Because of the presence of the rest. And so he can be used for the numbers, he can be the khatib, he can be, even though he's a musafir. 
how do we maintain our consistency? By saying that he doesn't lose the rights of traveling. So he maintains. If he's a traveler, he's a traveler and of. Okay, folks? That's something which is um, a good point. Now, what is all of this referring to? The Muslim male, mukallaf, this, that, mustaltan resident. What if this Muslim male resident is in the middle of nowhere? He lives in a village all by himself. Do you understand? So we need further information. And that's why, what is the, the text? It says, yeah, the Friday prayer is obligatory. Now listen carefully. On every free, legally responsible resident male, that's not it. Because it's not if that guy's living in the middle of nowhere. As long as he's living in a built-up area that is known by a single name, even if it is divided in parts. As long as the mosque outside of this area is not further than a farsakh. So this is two parts actually, the first part and the second part. The first part is talking about the area of the town or the city. And the second is talking about what about if he's outside of the town or the city. So let's deal with the first part, okay? So, in right? Um, it becomes obligatory upon him. If he's in a town, what's the last phrase? Mustaltanin, yeah. Resident of some... Uh, uh, I translated bina as a built-up area, yeah. I called it built-up area. Bina means to build, yeah. But what is intended by this is permanency of the buildings. So we're, we're getting out, we're, we're removing the word camp. So we don't mean a camp. The, this statement is here to prove that those who are Bedouins, nomads, and campers, and tent city folks, refugees even, and there's a discussion there about that, that who are in areas that are not considered to be an organized, yeah, any proper city or area, and when they move on, they take everything with them, or you know the nature of the, the whatever, then that is where Jumai is not established. Because it's not a town or not a city, it's not an area. It's not a built-up area. Sheikh says we're talking about built-up areas. And when we say built-up, we mean permanency. We don't mean brick. It can be wood as well. It could be cement. It could be X. It could be Y. There's a difference between nomadic communities and Bedouins that move with their tent city, even if it's the size of a city and it moves, versus a permanent, built-up, civilizational area. Whatever the word is, I don't know the phrase is. Yeah? Is it clear? Therefore, because it doesn't matter whether it's made of plaster or rock or cement or wood or, or anything else. Um, it, to, to differentiate between these folks and this area and the outside. The, the Badia, the, the rural areas, the desert areas, there's no Jum'ah for them. Because we know that because the Bedou, the Bedouins, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, around Medina, the outskirts of Medina, they did not used to pray Jum'ah. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't command them to pray Jum'ah. That's the most important thing. The Prophet ﷺ did not command them to pray Jum'ah. And they were actually not on the edge of the, 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 the town, because we're going to come to it in a minute. They were a farsakh, over a farsakh away. And we spoke about the farsakh in the last couple of months. That's roughly about three and a bit miles, three, four miles odd. Yeah. And that distance meant that they couldn't hear the azan anyway. They were by definition in the outskirts, away from the town area. Okay. 
even though they were permanent residents in their tent areas outside. But these are the kind of communities that are villages or rural folks who are way outside their city outskirts. They're not, they're, they're nomadic, even if their structures are a bit more permanent, not permanent, they're living in those temporary structures are permanent, okay? Because this is not what we call a built-up area, little sporadic little kind of settlements. If they were to leave, then they leave with their houses. There's nothing that remains behind because they're tents, okay? And, okay, how do we define then? So we've made it clear that this area has got to be a built-up area. But what is a built-up area? Okay. Sheikh, the, 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 the author, Imam al-Hajjawi, he explains, he goes that it's an area that has one name, even if it's divided in parts. Like Cairo is a very good example, right? I am in uh, Giza, basically, right now, right? And uh, Giza is like ancient, next to ancient Cairo, and there's so many different areas, Zamalik and Dukki and, and Madrish and Awin and Maniel right now specifically, this is the place of Ibn Hajar, there's Sheikh Zayd over there, there's 6th of October, there's Madinat Nasr and there's Tagamu, whatever, whatnot. These areas, they are spread out. Cairo is obviously one of the world's biggest and busiest cities. Yeah, millions and millions of people. But the whole area is called Cairo, even though there's like probably, I don't know, 50 miles or whatever from one end to the other, easily. Probably more, I don't know. Yeah. Manchester, London, so you've got Ilford and you've got Woodford and you've got kind of Clapham and you've got Islington and you've got Croydon. And look, look at the distances between them. Look at Manchester. Cheadle comes under Manchester, or even if you didn't, let's say, I don't know, whatever, Longside, and you go all the way to Cheatham Hill and you've got Yanni yeah, to, you know, towards Salford areas or whatever. Eccles, Yanni, yeah, do we know it all as Manchester? Yes, we do. And so therefore, what's the Sheikh saying? He goes that the area, the built-up area, is known as a built-up area, even if it's divided in parts, even if they are, even if there is gaps in between. This is an important point because when you are driving, for example, in Cairo from Madinat Nasr to Tagamma, you will go uh, or some of the, 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 the new settlement areas, okay? And they're actually called Settlement 1, Settlement 2, Settlement 3, because the way that Cairo is, is working is that it's just expanding into like the desert and it's been constantly expanding expanding and of course you know that the government are moving theirs as well so they can they don't, don't get done like they did yani, you know a couple of years ago 10 years 13 years ago in the revolution that, that's the big lesson that they learn you know anyway don't get me banned and killed bro so the uh um so there's there's big gaps like 10 15 mile gaps between the edge of the city and this new part, however, if we say Tagamot Khamis or the fifth settlement or the third settlement, and there's a big gap in between, and Mazar, and there are orchards in between, forests in between, it doesn't matter how big the gaps are in between, but we still call the areas by one area, it's still Qahira, still Cairo, then it's considered to be one area. And this is all one built up area, and this is where Jumai is obligated. Because a person might argue that I'm in the Tagamot Khamis or I am in Cheadle, and I'm 15 minutes away from the city of Manchester, no, that is still considered Manchester. And that's still, con if it was, I mean, Cheadle is a, bit, is a discussion, is it Stockport, is it not, whatever. But in general, it's one area, okay? And we mean one big area, one city, one big town. So, Sheikh says, 
Because some scholars said that if there are big orchards in between, then you can't call this an area. And so if you live on the other side of the orchard and you're a small number of people, the whole point is, is that you're a small number on the other edge. Are you obligated to now join the rest? The answer is yes. You are obligated to join the rest. That's, the, that's, where, that's where the discussion is coming. Uh, if you're thinking, what's this all about? And we, we, we finish on this uh, point, okay? No, we won't. We'll finish on, yeah, we'll finish on the next point. Um, I, I, if you, if you want to understand the root of what we're talking about, is that who can blag Jumu'ah, basically? Can I say, listen, man, I don't have any Muslims near me. Well, if you are alone in the land of the non-Muslims, that's, that's fine. But if you are in the east of Manchester or the north of Manchester, even if you're alone, but you're still within what you consider Manchester, and there's thousands of them down south or east or west of Manchester, you have to pray Jumu'ah, even if there's 10 miles or in between, or even 30 miles in between. If everyone knows that you're in Manchester, and you've got to travel to those communities and pray Jumu'ah. That's the point of the issue. And some said, no, if there's a big orchard in between, then it's no. If the area is known by the people as one name, then you have to pray Jumu'ah. Now, for example... You know, someone might be, uh, we pray Jumu'ah with much less than this in the hospital. Yeah, of course, I told you there's big problems, yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, establishing. Uh, well, that's another different point. Is What's the evidence is for 40 and can you pray Jumu'ah for less? That's a different thing. Because the doctors in the hospital need to pray Jumu'ah. Why? Because the hospital, right, is in the Muslim area, or sorry, is in the city and the town where there's lots of Jumu'ah being established because there's most Sultanin, thousands of them. They will now establish Jumu'ah with a small group of people who will come to that next week or week after, whether it's acceptable or not. That's a different discussion. But the point is, is that do they need to pray Jumu'ah? Yes, they do. They do. Do they need to go to Jumu'ah? Yes, they do. How do they blag not going to Jumu'ah? They establish it in the hospital. Is it valid or not? That's coming. Okay? Don't worry about that now. We're just talking about the obligation to. All right, what is not obligated is لَيْسَ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْمَشِدْ أَكْثَرْ مِنْ فَرْسَخْ However, if you are on the edge of a city outside and you are not part of that city called Cairo or Manchester by the distance of a farsakh, right? I'm even spitting, I'm getting so excited, right? And farsakh, three, four miles, then you are not obligated. Then you are not obligated. So if you were in a, uh, a little kind of village, you went out to work for a village or you were in a village or living in a village, which is not part of Manchester, but it's in Cheshire and there's no Muslims in Cheshire, but you're in, in a village there, which is like five miles or 10 miles out from Manchester, there's no Jumu'ah. Oh, listen carefully here, folks. It's not about the mileage. I say 5 miles, 10 miles just to emphasize the point But if you are in Manchester and Manchester is 50 miles wide And you are 50 miles from the masjid in Manchester Because you're in the north and they're in the south You have to pray Jum'ah because it's all Manchester And it's a city of the Muslims where Jum'ah has been established However, the second you leave Manchester into a place called Cheshire And there's no Muslims at all there And there's no Jum'ah being established And you are over a three and a half, four miles out you do not need to go into Manchester to pray Jumu'ah because the area that you are in is outside of that one named area of the Muslims or the Jumu'ah Muslims. I hope that that makes sense. Okay? Canada, let's use an example of Canada, like Milton, for example, and 
Milton is seen as Toronto. It, it's miles out from central Toronto, miles away from Mississauga, but it's still seen as Toronto. Now, but, uh, uh, so if you live in Milton, you're, but, but in Milton there's already Muslims anyway, but the point is that it's all seen as Toronto. But I don't know the areas, but let's just say they now start to make a new village or you live in a village which is even further away from Milton and it's not considered to be part of Toronto, yeah? And it's not considered to be part of Toronto and it's a whole different area on the way to somewhere else and there's only a few people there. Uh, if you're five miles out of the boundary of Toronto right now, you do not need to pray Jumu'ah because you are outside of Toronto. However, if you are in Milton, and that seems like it's a different world to, to downtown Toronto, you have to pray Jumu'ah because it is all part of Toronto. That's if there was no people, there was no Muslims in Toronto, but in Milton. But there are Muslims in Milton, so you've got to pray anyway. Pakistan, the same example would be any city. You go from Islamabad to Pindi, if you go to Pindi on the way there and there was no Muslims around, whatever, whatnot, you'd not need to pray. Because in between Pindi and Peshawar, for example, there's various, you know, it might be that you're going up a certain route in which there's only nomadic Muslims. Then it doesn't matter as long as... Now, where did the word... Where, where did the evidence for Farsakh, this distance, come from? There's no evidence for it at all. It's an approximation. Why? Because this is roughly the length of uh, space that the Adhan would be heard by. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that if you hear the Adhan, هل تسمع نداء? When they were asked about the Jama'ah to establish a Jama'ah prayer, do you have to attend the Jama'ah prayer? The Prophet ﷺ asked them, can you hear the call for the prayer? They said, yes. فَأَجِبْ then. Respond to it then. So they said roughly about 3-4 miles is the distance. This is also because the people of Quba, they're roughly about 3-4 miles away from Medina and they would come to the Masjid of Medina to pray Jumu'ah there because you go to the big Masjid and the big gathering. Outside of Quba, they didn't come, they can't hear the Adhan. And it's true that you can hear the Adhan for 3-4 miles away on a clear night. Sheikh Uthameen says that the scholars though didn't like to use the Adhan as the, as the, as the, as the standard because it's so subjective. It matters... You know, it depends upon outside noise, it depends on how loud the mu'adhan is, blah, 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 blah. Whereas distance is a lot more objective and you can therefore just be quite clear on their distance. And so therefore, they went with the, the, the distance of farsakh. I hope that that makes a sense. So this is, this is like, you know, um, yeah, I hope that makes sense. I'm happy with that, actually. I'm happy with that, the whole discussion and chapter and everything. And the amount we covered, by the way. I'll have you know, one, two, three, four, five, six bullet pages in a lot of detail. Right at the top, I don't have my pen, man, but remember, okay, we're at the top of page 16. Write it down, uh, send it to me now, please. So, there we go. All right, alhamdulillah. Any questions? You know, I'm not sold on the whole questions thing. I don't know. I think that if you don't get your question answered in the class, you should have the wherewithal to ask it again. Like at the end, like now when I'm looking. I think. I don't know. I don't know. So the Muslims didn't pray Jumu'ah in Quba. They did, but in not in Quba, correct. Okay? They would pray it in uh, the... the, the, the uh, 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 they, used to, they, used to, they used to attend the Jumu'ah of the Prophet Wasallam. You see, uh, the, the Jumu'ah was done before, but once the Prophet Wasallam then came and established that Masjid Nabwi, I mean, then there is no Jumu'ah. There's only one Jumu'ah. Remember, our Jumu'ah today is, I, I, I said this a couple of, I don't know when I said this. Oh, maybe I'm putting it on Fiqh Salah, maybe. Yeah, I said it in Fiqh Salah. Um, our Jumu'ah is so far removed from the Sunnah time, it's crazy. 
the way that we do multiple Jumas, for example, the way that we do Jumas in mosques next to each other. I mean, in long sight, you've got a Makki Masjid here, and one second walk is the, is Shaporan next to it. They're doing Jumah there. And we're the ones supporting it and allowing it because what else are we going to do? There's so many people. There's so many, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, different rules, not land and non-Muslims. So our Jumah, as, as you'll see, you guys, you've got to take it page by page. Don't rush, okay? We're going to cover all of these points, but you've got to do the fiqh first. Look how Sheikh Uthameen does it. Follow logically. Logical progression. Surprise, surprise. You follow the madhab's thinking, understand where they're coming from, and then we give our opinion, and that's okay. Right? You've got to build the case first before we start giving our fatwas. Right? So everything will come. But I want you to understand that in principle, Juma, all the small masajid, local masajid close, and everybody goes to the main mosque. For a big gathering, big reminder, big yani powerful moment, usually led by the leader of the Muslims or the area Muslim leader there. And um, that's how it normally works. Okay? Now, if I live in a village outside High Wycombe and many, not many Muslims there, am I not obliged? If a person lives outside of the area in which the Muslims are enough to establish Jummah, okay, and then you live in a place which is over four miles. Three four miles away, and there are no and it's not called High Wycombe at all, and it's seen as somewhere completely different. Then you are not obligated, according to the Hanbalis, to pray Jumu'ah. And a number of scholars actually, Sheikh Uthameen is one of them as well. Okay, now you see the caveats that we will add is that in our in our our communities we would obligate it for other reasons, but that will come. But 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 legally it's not. We would be arguing spiritually. We would be arguing from different points of view. But technically speaking, if you live four miles away and it is not known as High Wycombe at all and there's not in any Muslims, there's only like two Muslims there and there's no mosque and there's no area, then you are not obligated. If you do have a masjid there and you have the only people who live there and it's over 40 people, then of course in that village you've got to pray the Jumu'ah. When we visit our, our in-laws in Manchester from down south, are we travellers? Yes, you are travellers. Even my husband who is visiting his parents. No, uh, no, if that's the, I told you that before, before right, in a couple of months ago, that, that um, when you're going to your parents' house, it's your house, you should treat it like your own house. It's horrible to go to your own house and pretend to be a traveller. It upsets parents as well. You should treat it like normal. But that's got nothing to do with the Jum'ah. You have to pray Jum'ah because you are in an area that is establishing the Jum'ah. Zara says, so Jum'ah... By the way, I hope you're okay, Zara. So Jum'ah is not wajib on a muqim in a Muslim town that established the Jum'ah because he doesn't lose his safar state. Wrong. Jum'ah is wajib on a muqim in a Muslim town that establishes Jum'ah. Has to pray because they're establishing it. Okay? Doesn't matter about his safar concessions. He doesn't lose his safar concessions, but he's obligated to establish the Jum'ah prayer because he doesn't yeah, lose those concessions. There is a Jum'ah Salah because, because why am I saying that? And I know why you're asking the question. You're saying that's for the Musafir. Why the Muqim? Well, the Muqim yani himself or herself, uh, according to Shaykh Uthameen, he wouldn't be having a Muqim status anyway. What would be the difference? He would allow, you know, remember, remember the four-day rule doesn't apply to Shaykh Uthameen and class position. This is according to the Hanbalis. Yeah, the whole concept of Iqam is a feel, a mood, Right? The vaginal pastry does not invalidate the fast. There is Jum'ah Salah offered in the masajid and the motorway stops from Pindi to Peshawar. Yeah, but, I, but that's 
if they are being offered by people who live in those places, because there are, aren't there? There are communities that are built around those motorway stops. So if they are being established and a person stops there and he's staying there, like Sheikh Tamim said, he's sitting there for an hour, two hours or whatever. But if he just stops to put petrol in, for example, and going on, no, he's not. But if he stops to step, to rest and to re relax in that area and so on, then I think he needs to pray just as Sheikh Tamim says. Maryam says, so using the same logic of extrapolating the idea of how far can the adhan be heard, well, let's be honest, let's be accurate and say that Sheikh Uthameen rejects this as a measure, okay? But, okay, does this apply to the general obligation of prayer and jama'ah? In general, but it's more feel and vibe because the adhan is too subjective, okay? Because the reasoning many men make in the West for not requiring praying in the message is that they cannot hear the adhan. That's why I said that we shouldn't use this and it should be a feel and a vibe and it shouldn't be trying to depend upon old school fiqh that's not, yani or obligating certain things that you don't obligate upon yourselves, but rather you use modern-day fatwas, and then suddenly everyone becomes religious and goes, yeah, old school. No, this is unacceptable. Unacceptable. Last question. Just to be clear, if someone is on holiday, they have to find a masjid. If there is a masjid in the same masjid, and pray Jum'ah. Yes, that is correct, and that's the same for work trips as well. If you are in an area where the Jum'ah is being established, and you are in that town, and you are in that area, and a Jum'ah is established, you need to pray Jum'ah. That is the position of the majority of scholars. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Answered a lot of questions. Class went on. Jazakumullah khair. I hope that this class was okay. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdika. Ashadu wa la ilaha ila anta wa astaghfirukallahum wa atubu alaik. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Congratulations for, to everybody on the good news of the retreat. I'm buzzing. Assalamu alaikum. How do I? Oh yeah, there.